0: God, we thank you um, for our time together this morning. And God, we do ask that you could speak uh, to our hearts and to our minds um, about your heart, Lord, and specifically your heart about us. Because once you get a better grasp, a better understanding of how you feel about us and how you view us, That really changes everything. It breaks down a lot of walls, a lot of barriers. Uh, It frees us up in ways unimaginable. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and do a supernatural work. We could help minister to our hearts about how our God, how our Father in heaven loves us, and about how he sees us, and about how our failures, well, they're failures, but they're covered by grace. And about how there's always hope. And so, Lord, I pray that you minister those things to our hearts this morning. And we pray that you just uh, be with Rebecca downstairs as she teaches the kids and teaches about how to invest into treasures, into heaven, and not invest their lives in all these treasures on earth. And God may just give. Uh, patience and strength and understanding in the nursery next door and bless and take care of them uh, in Jesus name Amen Amen. so let's read the passage and then we'll talk about it a little bit um, verse 36 says then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane everybody say Gethsemane Gethsemane and he said to them sit here while I go over there and pray Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. "'Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour?' he asked Peter. "'Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. "'The spirit is willing, but the body is weak.' He went away a second time and prayed, "'My Father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, "'unless I drink it, may your will be done.' Verse 43, "'When he came back, he again found them sleeping.' because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. So then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. As I was thinking about the passage this week, and praying through it, and looking at it, um, a part of me was definitely a little excited uh, to get to this passage. And then a part of me was like in beware mode, um, because what happens a lot of times is as... Um, a study and prepare and like seek what the Lord may be trying to say through a particular thing on a Sunday. He takes like the message and he takes uh, that passage and he weaves it like through my life and through my heart during the week. And so, he's going to weave the Garden of Gethsemane through my life this week. That might not be a fun week. Um, So, one of the thoughts before that one was that as I think about Gethsemane and I think about Jesus, I think about the struggle in the garden, um, and really our past few weeks or month has really kind of been on this kind of same tone, but a sobering tone, but it's like coming down to crunch time here for Jesus, you know, it's coming down to crunch time. He's about to fulfill what he was brought here for. So... I started... When I think about Jesus and I think about Gethsemane, And many times when I read the Bible, I think like Jesus is just this man where God tells him to do something and he just goes and does it. He just immediately reacts to the right reasons at the right time like spontaneously. I don't know if you think that way too when you read it, but as I read enough of Jesus and go through his Gospels, it kind of comes across that way to me uh, and I'm just like, man... That would just be so nice to be able to respond to God and Jesus with whatever He's asking in whatever moment, in whatever capacity, and just go for it and do it. Wouldn't it just be nice to have a knee-jerk reaction of obedience? And sometimes I get the feeling that Jesus was a man like that. He was just knee-jerk reaction, obedience. And when I think like that, or when we might think like that, it can take away a little bit from... Um, the humanity part of Jesus. Like, He still lived in flesh. So He was still a human who still struggled. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, in my heart and in my mind, arguably more than any other place in Scripture, you see Jesus really wrestle with a decision with God's will with God's plans you see him really wrestle like battle I mean we just read we'll get more deeply into it in a minute but we just read he prayed the same prayer three times God I do not want to do this let's do this some other way I don't want to do this let this cup pass from me right the cup right the cross the sacrifice let this pass from me let's do this some other way Let's make it be if people go to church, you know, enough times. Let's make it be if people give, like, enough money. Let's make, if they could do this other stuff and that would be good enough, like, let's do that. But he's like, no, you know, whatever you want to do, let's do it. And you don't see that picture of Jesus throughout the Bible, really, in any other place where he is struggling. I mean, struggling with the decision. And we're going to look more like, how, really? How much was he struggling? like how, how big of a deal was this for him? Was this really a difficult decision for him? We're going to look more at that. And so what I did is, I, um, in your bulletin there, I got a few blanks. And what we're going to talk about and how we dig into this passage a little bit more is all going to focus around Gethsemane and this idea of uh, Gethsemane in our life. I think it's really important that we understand that the Garden of Gethsemane did certainly happen for Jesus and it's certainly going to happen in our lives and it's certainly not going to happen only once. It's going to happen like a bunch of times. So why is that? We're going to take a look at that too. So, let's take a look at the first point here. Um, Gethsemane is a blank place right Gethsemane is a painful place Gethsemane is a painful place let's take a look here we'll dig a little bit deeper verse 36 says then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane this is a place we know from John 18 they used to go regularly and hang out there were these gardens right so I asked you the garden question Right, there were these gardens that uh, wealthier people uh, would have owned. And um, people would have been able to go and kind of retreat and escape to these places. And so that's so why I asked you that question too about, you know, do you have a particular place, a, a private spot that you like to go to, escape, pray, get away? This is where Jesus and his crew liked to go. It was the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, while he's there, right? Verse 37 says, He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be, look at these words, sorrowful and troubled. Right? I have those underlined and circled and boxed off. It says, Then he said to them, My soul is, look at this word, overwhelmed with, again, sorrow, right? To the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So, you see these words that are being used here in Gethsemane sorrow, troubled, overwhelmed, point of death, right? This is a painful place. And even the name Gethsemane. It's interesting what you can find when you look at names, you know, in the Bible, what things are named and why they're named and what their names mean. Right? Gethsemane means oil press, it means oil press. And so an oil press, right, would be used uh, to get olives, and you put them in the press, and they get crushed, and they get broken down, and they get worked down, and they get squeezed until the oil comes out. It's a very interesting parallel as we think about the Holy Spirit. As oil. You know, as you read through the New Testament, we've talked about it before on Sunday mornings. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. And it's interesting to see how Jesus Himself is in the oil press, the Garden of Gethsemane. He will physically, emotionally, and spiritually be crushed, be squeezed, so that the Holy Spirit can then come and flow. It's very interesting, isn't it? So, Gethsemane, needless to say, is a rough place. It's where some squeezing, some crushing, and just ah, some angst and just some difficulties are coming, right? That's Gethsemane. And of course, um, that's not going to be our most favorite place. But nonetheless, for the believer, it's going to be a needed place. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. So, Gethsemane is definitely a painful place. But then the second point, right, Gethsemane can also be a lonely place. Take a look at what's going on here. Gethsemane can be a lonely place. Lonely. We talked last week about what's going to happen about how they all abandon him. But let's see... Uh, What happens? Let's take out this scenario. So he grabs, uh, if we back up a little bit, 37, you're right. He grabbed Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. That's James and John. So he had Peter, James, John. Right? So that's like the three that were part of his inner circle. So there's the 12 apostles. And three were kind of like his tri-captains or inner circle. Guys that he he was closer to and kind of did more things with. So he took them along and they went a little bit further. And in verse thirty eight, why we just read or we'll read it again, and then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, stay here and keep watch with me. Verse thirty nine Going a little further, Jesus himself, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then verse 4, he says, Then he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he he asked. He says, Watch and pray, you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then verse 42, he went away a second time. And he prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken from me, lest I drink it, may it will be done. And then here he goes, right, third time, verse 43, He found them sleeping. Right, so here he is in his moment in Gethsemane here. And this is painful. This is intense. So intense and so painful, not just because we think it, but because in Luke's Gospel, it tells us that he was at the point where he was actually sweating drops of blood. That's how intense... That's how stressed out this man is right now. Maybe you've had anxiety attacks or like, um, you know, been incredibly anxious and just frustrated and nervous and stressed out. I don't know if you've ever been to the point where when you sweat, you're actually, your blood is coming out. You're bleeding when you're sweating. Right, so back to our bonus question, right? That was our bonus question, right? Hematidrosis. Right? So that's what he's suffering from in this garden. He went to drugs. He's just like so... just overwhelmed with just sorrow. And just broken down. And he's just like, guys, just pray with me. Right now, like if I've ever needed you right now, I need you here with me. And these guys just fall asleep. You know, it's the middle of the night. Um... And uh, also in Luke's Gospel, it, it, it helps give us a little bit more um, lenience towards them, I guess. It says that they fell asleep from such sorrow. So not necessarily that they were just lazy, but they were feeling the heat too. And they knew things were coming up. So we can't be too hard on them. But still, Jesus is asking to stay up. Like, man, you want to stay up. So he's there, praying and man dripping blood, you know intense, and now he's by himself he's lonely he's lonely um, I was telling you uh you know how sometimes you know reading, preparing the message, going through the week, you know God just ties it into my life, and there's different things and because um, it's not like we're playing with text here on Sunday mornings you know it's 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 not it's not like that this is life and death stuff, right this is Um, people basing their whole lives on on promises and if God is faithful and if He's true or not. Uh, So this past week, I can tell you this past week, um, for me personally, and I've heard um, from some other people, um, this week for me personally was really up there as far as one of the more difficult ones I've ever had in my entire life. And I'm not kidding you. Um, so, when I say, di- what, what, what? So, maybe your idea of difficult and my idea of difficult are two different things, right? So, maybe if I give you more perspective, you can help understand it. And here's why I share this with you I don't share this with you to draw attention to myself, because that's not what I'm intending to do. I share this with you because I think sometimes there's this idea that. If you're a mature, responsible Christian that like things just fall in line or if they don't, like you're just good and you stay the course. No way, Jose. There's no Jose's in here, right? No. That's that's why I share with you because I just want to just give you it. So when when I express difficulty, like here's what I mean. And so I'm also hoping that If you feel that it's okay to be a saved Christian and still be struggling like that, that's okay. Because we're all going to be in a Gethsemane at some point. So, I mean, the week was just, you know, crazy. Uh, I felt horrible all week. I don't know what the deal is, you know, physically. It's just, that's just, that's just annoying, you know. And then uh, there was just a lot of difficulties uh, at work, stuff happening. And then, um,. Uh, personally, just like in our house. It was just really, really difficult this week. I mean, Julian and I still have stuff we gotta like finish working through. It's not done yet. I wish that it was, but it's just not. We're still working through it. So just a rough week, you know, and you tie all that stuff together and it's like, what the heck? What is going on? And, um, and so, I I was uh, getting some prayer time in, you know, listening to some uh, worship time, when I was totally tempted not to do that, and I didn't want to do that, because in my mind I'm thinking this God, who I'm about to listen to songs about to and pray to, is the source for all of this. I don't want to give him my quality time right now. But I remember driving, um, you know, through the car, and uh, you know, listening uh, to this uh, song I had going on, and I just was just crying just a mess. Sobbing like a two-year-old. Kid you not. I was just driving down the street and I'm just like, Lord, you know, what are you doing here? Uh, How is this going to work out there? You said this. I don't see any of it. This is like, what are we doing? Like, if I was God and I was a perfect father, I would not treat my kids like this. Can can you understand what I'm saying? Can you understand this, right? This is Gethsemane place. This is like, you are just overwhelmed, you're sorrowful, there's just anguish, and it's just like, if there's any other way we can do whatever you're trying to do, then let's do that. Like, we have to put ourselves there, because that's where Jesus is. We have to understand that place. Because we're going to walk in the lives and the steps of Jesus. You better believe we're going to end up there as well. And it's going to be a lot more than one time. Because there's a lot of work for us to do. And there's going to be a lot of pruning that He's going to do in our lives. I can tell you this week, man, number one, Gethsemane is a painful place. Heck yeah, I feel not this week. Gethsemane could be a lonely place. Definitely feel not this week. Um, and even by reaching out to people, like sometimes even um, you could be reaching out and asking for prayer and for help and you just feel like people just like aren't really getting it. Like it's just not connecting. Like you're not, you get a sense you're not feeling the same type of feeling that you have. And so maybe you know, we're just doing a bad job of communicating it to the other person or maybe there's just something going on. So it could feel lonely, right? It could feel lonely for sure. But here's the thing that hopefully we don't get lost in one and two, um, but hopefully we can hold on a little bit tighter to three. All right? So here's three, right? Gethsemane is a needed place. It is a needed place place everybody say needed needed it is needed why how could something like that be needed how could something like that be needed repeatedly in our lives well here's what i wrote down and maybe you could improve on it but here's what god spoke to my heart gethsemane is a needed place Because it reveals the place that God has in my life. That's why it's a needed place. It reveals the place that God has in my life. Here's one of the reasons why I like Gethsemane. Because that's where the rubber hits the road. Like this is it right here. Who's calling the shots in my life, in your life, and who's running the show completely? It's all out on the table in Gethsemane. So am I going to, you know, live my relationships? Am I going to allow them to go through Gethsemane? And say, okay, Lord, in your timing, in your way, how you want it. You know, will I say that with the way that we handle our finances? Okay, Lord. In your way, as you say, you take it, you give it, whatever. In our kids' lives, God, I will parent as you say, as you want to do it, fine. Then when they get older, Lord, they are your kids. I give them over to you. I will cover them in prayer. But God, do your will for them. Right, Gethsemane is a needed place because the opportunity that is presented in Gethsemane, there is an opportunity there, right? We can be clouded by just the difficulties, by the loneliness, by the pain. But the opportunity that is there is we get to go like this and take our hands off that steering wheel. And take our grubby little paws off that situation and everything involved in it. That's where the opportunity lies. It just can be very, very difficult to see that. And then when I think, when you think about Jesus, you know, why why going through so much sorrow? And why go through, why is he experiencing, why, why is he Blood coming off like sweat. I mean, why? Going through all this anguish. It's not really because he's afraid of the cross and the pain, which, wow, that would have had me a long time ago. Because he gets whipped, you know, 38 times, flogged. You know, that's just a whip with like pieces of like uh, bone and glass and stuff in it, and that's 38 lashes, you know, and then. They crown of thorns, you know, and then they're mocking him and the cross and oh, wow. That's enough to just. I could see myself sweating blood in the garden because of that. And actually, um, on a quick side note, you know, the HEMA, whatever it was, right? The, it's not even unique to Jesus. Um, Leonardo da Vinci, um actually uh talks about a story about a soldier who before he went into battle was experiencing actually the same thing and there's other stories in history of people actually experiencing it so it's like it's not even that um, it was just some because sometimes uh, Christians like to create scenarios that are just like unique that don't hold any parallel at all to anybody else but like you know it's a a legitimate situation Um, but he's not going through all of this just because of the cross and the pain he's going through all this because This is a man that has never sinned once. He doesn't even know what it feels like to experience sin. If he can fathom that. He never had one ounce of pollution to his body, to himself, in that way at all, ever. And he knows, in a matter of a moment, he will have all sin of all time of all people dumped on him. Can you... uh, You can see a little bit more why that blood and... uh, What? And what's going to happen is when he absorbs and takes all of that, I mean, his own father is like... Because he can't. Because his son is just pure sin right now. You know, so he's on the cross. He's like, you know, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? He's, I can't be around sin, like you know. It, it's amazing. So we don't have to go to the cross, right? Our Gethsemane doesn't have an actual cross waiting for us that we're gonna go climb up on and get on. But we are going to pick up our crosses daily and follow him. So there is going to be some hurting going on. And Gethsemane for us is where we get to come to the place where, right, the understanding and the assumption is that Jesus got brought to Gethsemane, right? Here's some assumptions He was brought to Gethsemane, God brought him there, he knew why God brought him there. God spoke to him clearly what to do and he agreed to it. So for many of us, right, we maybe have to get some of those assumptions in line first. Like, let's see, what is God saying to me? What is he making clear in my life? Where is he saying, hey listen, I want things to go this particular direction. And when those following things have taken place, right, then he speaks to us and he makes it very clear and he's like when I say on my terms and my will this is what I'm talking about and then that's when we have an opportunity opportunity to let go or fight him some more on it so Gethsemane is a painful place Gethsemane can be a lonely place see that's the other thing too about can be a lonely place I said can be won't we'll always necessarily have to be it did end up being for Jesus. But for us as a church, first as Christian brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be. Gethsemane is a needed place. And then look at uh, number four here Gethsemane, it has to be a prayerful place. It has to be a prayerful place. It's got to be. There's only one way to get through. Gethsemane, and those moments in life where you can literally be listening and praising worship song and be crying in the car driving down the street, the only way that you get through those moments and times is through prayer. It has to be an integral part, and I think for many of us, for many people. When it gets that rough and it is that difficult, it becomes too easy or has been too easy to turn to other people or other things. That's when I will take that drink. That's when I will go do whatever. That's when I will go look at whatever. That's when I will, and you fill in the blank because that's the double-edged sword, right, of Gethsemane. And Jesus warned them. He warned them. He said, temptation is waiting to take you because you better believe it that as they were sleeping, as the disciples were sleeping, the enemy was not. There are conferences, for lack of a better term, there are conferences in hell that have to do with sabotaging your family, my family, your relationships, my relationships. And they ain't sleeping on it. Because they know what the end game is. And so when we say, like, this is warfare, it really is. It really is. Sometimes it shows itself as just intense Frustrations or plans falling through the cracks, or um, uh, situations just taking a turn for the worse, and, and, and people uh, getting sick, and finances disappearing, and uh, disappointments coming true, and doubts happening. Like, there is a certain plan in a big player um, who's also behind much of that behind the scenes. Trying to make sure those things happen. Absolutely. So, Gethsemane, the only way to get through that and through these things and fight these battles is just not by being nice and trying to do nice things for people, even though that's good. But if this is really a battle and a warfare, And we got to get into the battle and do our hand-to-hand combat. That's why our Wednesday night prayer meeting here is so critical for anything that we ever hope to do here as a church. I mean, there just is not much of a hope for us unless that Wednesday night prayer meeting is just thriving. It is the furnace driving everything that we do. That's just the way this thing is set up. i tell you what it's a lot better than it was a year ago I'll tell you that much that's good news for us but it's not where it's got to be it's not it's just not but I'm hoping it'll get there I'm not sure how much pressure it'll take for us to get there though I don't know But Gethsemane, it's got to be a prayerful place. So, if we could summarize it real quick, right? Gethsemane, first part is, it's a painful place. Gethsemane can be a lonely place. Gethsemane is a needed place. Gethsemane has to be a prayerful place. It's got to be. So, our takeaway from most of this stuff, right? So, the presence of Gethsemane in our lives is not a sign and I use that term loosely because many times people are looking for signs I don't know if it's really a sign from anything. So the presence of Gethsemane in our lives is not a sign of God's disapproval or a sign of His judgment on us but rather it is a necessary place to confirm that He is who He is and submit to his agenda that's what Gethsemane is about it's about confirming exactly who God is that he is actually in control of all things that he does have this thing planned out and laid out in submission that I'm going to trust that actually is the plan that actually is the case And that's like one of the, um, you know, one of the detrimental things that goes around many times uh, for many people is that if things start to fall apart, many people are thinking, what am I doing wrong? Where is God? Things are falling apart. That's just a really bad way, and really an unbiblical way to judge if God is in the mix or not. Or if He's leading or not. Because that just turns... um, that turns God's favor and His blessing dependent upon how comfortable I am. And if it's working out for me or not. And that's not the way it works. Right? We are in His blessing and we're going according to His will when we're just going through whatever it is. And so part of His plan may be Gethsemane and will be Gethsemane. So it might not be that things are falling apart. It might be that they're falling into place. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is an amen. Because we need to hold on to that sometimes. Because that's like, when you're in Gethsemane, that's all you have. Is the promise. I remember reading like this week, Psalm 25. I could not get away from this past week for whatever reason. Couldn't get away from it. And I I was looking at it in my Bible. I was looking at it on the screen. I was at work, you know, my classrooms you know, I had stuff to do and I'm like, I am just a mess. I can't even... And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't even want to act like I believe this right now. Is that not a real place? And, uh, you know, looking at it and um, uh, reading uh, the passage... That... So, let me share with you real quick. Right, so Psalm 25, you know, the part that... Was sticking out there, right? So it goes. So when you're in Gethsemane, here's the last thing that you want to say. Maybe that's why it stuck out to me. Verse twenty, uh, Psalm twenty-five, verse one, it says, "To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, and you I trust." Holy cow, does it hurt to say, "And you I trust" when things are rough and difficult? That is the last thing that you want to say to the God that's brought this about. I trust you. I sure as heck don't. But I know my spirit knows that I need to go with that, but my flesh is just like it's falling apart here. So to you, O oh Lord, I lift up my soul and you I trust. Oh my God, do not let me put put to shame. Nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse so here's the part verses 4 and 5 that are just man just ringing true show me your ways O Lord teach me your paths that's all you want to know in that moment God are you are you here are you directing us here's one of my big prayers this past week you know in the Bible he makes it very clear follow me follow me he told the disciples you know put down your nets follow me it's like, Lord, I want to follow you. But show me where you're freaking going. Make it clear to me, please. Right, when you're in that moment, like that's the feeling, that's the prayer. Like I want to know. You know what I mean? Like, okay, it's, you know, it's going to cost some stuff to follow you, but I want to know like where you're headed first. I'm not having a clear picture on that right now. And I need to. You're with me, right? You can relate to that, right? So it says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Oh my goodness. That's tough stuff to believe. And honestly, it just seems like words on a paper. Um, You know, why are you going through it? And then, and then the week goes. And then like, man, so like you're down and out and feeling pretty broken at that point. And then your week goes, and then the crazy thing happens. The crazy thing happens is that God starts to use you, like out of nowhere, I mean, out of nowhere. Because you can't... Like, sometimes you feel like, okay, I'm good. Like, I'm well rested. You know, I've been reading. I got my word going. Like, I feel ready. But then other times he uses you and you have squat. Because you are just spent. Emotionally spent. Spiritually spent. Physically spent. God, it honestly would make no difference if I was even there because I have nothing. That's when he says, "Ah, I had something, and it works." So this past week, there is a there is a few times I was like, "Lord, unbelievable!" One that sticks out um, was just yesterday. Just yesterday um, was at a basketball tournament um, that happens um, in Southington. It's a three-on-three basketball tournament. It happens every year. Um, I try and play, and. I tried to get in this year. I couldn't do it. Past couple years, I couldn't do it. You know, because i got the kiddos at home and just too much going on. So, um, But I was able to stop by and give some support to my guys, you know, who are competing over there. And it's pretty cool. There's like 30, 32 teams. Most of the guys that compete in it are not Christians, not believers. Um, you play for about half the time. Then they do a gospel presentation, a gospel message in the middle. Then you get back to playing they have like refs and stuff and it's really good and so uh, you know so I'm bumming you know that I can't go you know I wanted to play and it's just I don't get a lot of time to just like do fun things you know and just like unplug for a little bit it's like dang you know I wanted to do it it's like, but you know, I can take Jaron, and you know, we can bounce the ball, you know, and do stuff, and so he can, you know, see the guys. He likes just being around guys, and you know, basketball and stuff. So, so we head down there and um, see everybody. It's great to see everyone, and uh, you know, saying hi to people. And one of the guys, I, I don't know, he he looks like this familiar to me, this much familiar. I I, I just don't really remember him. Um. He's like, hey, man, you know, what's going on? How you doing? And he's, like, really talkative. And I'm like, hey. And I'm now, now that we're talking, I'm feeling bad because I don't know his name. You do that? Yep. So I do that. And uh, so we're talking about stuff. And, you know, he's, like, talking basketball. He, he's a talker, too. So I'm like, oh, man, I got Jaron, you know. Oh, yeah, that's great, that's great. And he's like, every time, you know, you're in the... Uh, The D.C. area, you know, he's from D.C., I guess. You know, come see me, hang out. We'll play basketball. He's like, you know, we can play with, uh, I guess he works uh, near the White House somewhere, and he plays with some of the A's. It's like this whole thing. So, and that's as soon as I walk in. And then I have another guy come over uh, who runs the tournament and he was asking about stuff how the church was doing and everything and all kinds of stuff and I was telling about prayer meeting and how we were praying actually for the tournament and you know for some of the guys and some of the responses and uh, as I'm talking to this other guy the guy that was talking to me from D.C. a lot was still standing there and this other guy leaves so now I'm, still, now I'm back with the other guy and uh, he goes you know he goes, uh, he goes if you could pray for me he said I could really use it man I said really I said "I said, yeah I said like you know what do you want what do you want prayer for and then he looks at me he's like already starting to cry he's a grown man we're in a three on three basketball thing but he's having fun you know it's like it's totally it's just out of place immediate he's like man he's like my son he's like uh, you know he's four years old um, he had brain surgery not too long after he was born this is the first year he sees you're free and he's like, he's like, man, I made mistakes, I've been messing up, I've been trying to do better and this guy's like falling apart right here in this basketball thing and, uh, and I'm like, man, I know what that feels like, number one and then number two, I was like, I was like, I'm not going to pray, like, let's pray right now. Like, we got to learn as Christians sometimes, like, I'll pray for you, doesn't work, like, it's pray now. Regardless of who's around, it might seem risky, but whatever. A lot of times, faith is spelled R I S K. This way goes sometimes. So I was like, "Yeah, man, we are doing this thing now." You know, so we went over to this uh, stairwell thing, and he just became unglued. I mean, he just fell apart. It's like grown man, you know, playing basketball, having fun, and then boom to this. And man, a phenomenal prayer time. Like uh, you know, I just felt, you know, the spirit just coming through, you know, it's got hands in the sky, and I'm just praying prayers that I have no idea like where it's coming from. But you can tell just the authority of the spirit coming through in that moment. And this is like, you know, from the same guy in the car earlier that week falling apart, you know what I mean? but we need more opportunities of these and like if we run from Gethsemane it's like this thing is not legit in our lives if it gets tough we fall apart and then just run away it's like what is that? that's not it we need some courage right and stand in there and just deal with it and say Lord God if this thing falls apart I'm going to try and stay faithful it's incredible so I just get back with this guy and I'm like man I was like obviously like today was way more than basketball you know what I mean I'm putting a stupid thing in a hoop there's a lot going on right now he's like man it's like I know he's like it's incredible and that was just one story this week there's a few others But it's like... The week was tough. But then awesome showed up... God showed up in ways where it's like... Something's going on. I can't tell you exactly what it is. But I know that I know that I know something's going on. And I know that I know that I know. Because I bared it all... And was just crying for His presence and doubting everything and giving Him all I had. And I know that I did that. And then He still came through and like used and ministered and worked through. And it's not because I'm anybody special. At all. In any way. Can you imagine we get a church of people that leave on Sundays and go do that during the week? we come here get recharged up get refilled up get marching orders then go out and do the same put that in months and into a year yes yes that's how church is supposed to work so we're going to take communion um, together and um you know we talked about communion a couple weeks ago um but hopefully you can utilize this time um You know, to really spend it in prayer. And um, maybe ask God about Gethsemane. And maybe you're going through it. Maybe you're not. Maybe it's on the horizon. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe at the very least, we could be praying and asking God for um, how much He loves us. And for Him to reveal how true and how good His promises are. Um, I need a couple people to help hand it out. Couple of people, maybe come help me handle it out. Maybe Josh, come up hand it out. Justin, would you mind? Thanks, I appreciate it. He was there. He was there. In the end, he'll be there. He'll be there. This is my body. And so we take It says then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered to them, saying, "Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins." And so we take and we drink. And what we do in America is we break the cups because he was broken for us, right? There you go. Say, so if you could, please stand. And we're going to close in prayer together. See, so the most amazing part about Gethsemane is that that is where the conquering happens. Right? Because that's where Jesus made up his mind that he was going to legit go through the cross and everything that came with it. So many times we get presented in our minds with the scenario that might develop and might happen later. And if we're surrendered early on to whatever's going to happen, we're going to go a particular way, then that's usually the way that we're going to go. So the victory was made in Gethsemane. And he's able to walk it out and live it out later. So hopefully we can meet that type of people and decide now that we'll follow through with whatever comes later. So, Jesus, we thank you for your obedience in that garden. It's, uh, it is a painful place. You know all about that. It is a lonely place. It can be a lonely place. You know all about that. And uh, unfortunately for you, Jesus, even your closest uh, would fall asleep and eventually leave you that night. Father, may we be a church family and people who do not leave each other's side, um, who stay close. Father, may we have enough courage uh, to make ourselves vulnerable to other people So that way, when the pressure comes and when Gethsemane comes, we can lean on each other and not go it alone, Lord. And, Holy Spirit, we know that it's promised in your word that pruning will happen in the Christian's life, that we are continually uh, being refined by fire to be purified. Into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. So we pray that during those times, God, help us not be a people that get controlled by the doubt, that get paralyzed by the fear, and that get just distracted and distraught by the discouragement. God, help us uh, to hang in there. And stay true to your promises. Holy Spirit, may you lead each of us here in this church um, in ways to pray for others here. God, I know as we get closer together um, as a church family, you'll continue to speak to people uh, as they pray. And as they're about their day, you know, you'll put certain people um, on our hearts and minds, Lord, and we should be praying for them who knows what people are battling and going through God I thank you for the opportunity that Gethsemane presents I pray Lord that uh, we could be obedient as you were and if we have failed in the past maybe I've turned to other things we ask for forgiveness of that and hopefully we can do better and do right the next time around Lord But God, may we be a church that just says not my will be done, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.